0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day, it's James Baldwin here and welcome to Oz F1, a community for the already and soon to be savvy F1 fan alike, where we provide an engaging place for old and new F1 fans with an Australian point of view. Our podcasts will be a mix of interviews, discussion, huge Daniel Ricciardo bias and opinion. We also love feedback, so why not drop us a line on Instagram at OzF1 or Twitter at OzF1Official. That's A U S F 1. Of Oz F1 a recap on 2019 in Bahrain. I am joined as always by my co-host for this series, a Campy. Campy. Good evening slash good morning to you, mate.
1: Hello, buddy. How are
0: you? Mate, I am living the nightmare that is the terrible disappointment for Daniel Ricardo at the end of that Grand Prix. But we will come to that. Uh, how is the United States of America?
1: Very cool, mate. Very cool. Motorsport over here is next level.
0: You uh um, you almost did uh, did a thing around the Circuit of Americas, didn't you?
1: I did almost did an Audi R eight day, and just as I went to book it, I realised I booked it for um, May the first, not April the first.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> April fools I would, yourself.
1: I would have been back home by then, so that well, was look, lucky.
0: We um, are. We're excited to have you back home uh, and we're looking forward to the US Grand Prix as well. But um, mate, we we watched it together via text, uh, of course, and a big shout out to uh, almost, well, he's almost going to jump on the podcast at this point, uh, Tommy T. Mate, uh, we are looking forward to turning you into an Absolute tragic like you and I, mate. Uh, but uh, exciting times ahead.
1: That was the goal for the podcast,
0: wasn't it? We've converted one. Uh, our, our friend Singe's the the next goal, I think. Campy, what do you reckon?
1: Get him involved. We'll,
0: we'll see what we can do. Uh, full disclosure, I'm enjoying a whiskey tonight. Uh, Campy is also enjoying a whiskey at five o'clock his time. No, I'm kidding. It's probably orange juice with gin in it or something. I don't know. Better be my gin, mate. Just saying. Uh, Bahrain, mate, what a race. That was incredible and it did not disappoint.
1: No, absolutely. From lap one, from right from the start, right through to the end, there was action on track there was passing. There was always something happening. Sometimes we get that lull between the the first pit stop or the only pit stop You know, Mm -hmm. and however many laps—that twenty to thirty laps—until the last sort of ten to fifteen, as the race starts to progress and play out. But we didn't have that at all. There was something happening all the time. Um, I think it's one of the better races that, one of the yeah, one of the better races I've seen, probably since China last year. That level of
0: excitement. And the 999th race before China this year turns uh, the uh, the countdown to one thousand races, and you're exactly right, Campy. I think we have we've witnessed the top teams battle each other. We saw great racing between Ferrari. We saw great racing between Mercedes, and this mid pack mate is nuts. It is so good to see this level of racing between really between 4th to, to 10th and 11th 12th 13th even
1: absolutely i would and i would hope by the end of the year that williams can sort some of their fundamental issues out of the found with their car and get involved as well. well that'd be that'd be great to see because they've obviously got a good motor in the back of back of their car so if they can sort out their aero issues then we could possibly you know have another two cars join it which would only mean better
0: things Well, we will see, and uh, indeed we'll chat a little bit about Williams a little bit later on. I think it's a great place to start, Campy, with uh, Charles Leclerc. Now, he had an incredible weekend, full weekend. He was on point for all of it, and uh, I think we made some comments in the last podcast that he didn't really show himself in Australia, but, boy, were we proven wrong when it came to Bahrain.
1: Yeah, Ferrari's pace has come back, hasn't it? Um, I know Melbourne's one of those tracks that wasn't what is not great for determining the overall performance of the car, and it can be funny like that sometimes. But um, from what I heard on the commentary, was that Ferrari were trying to hide an issue that they had seemingly found. In Melbourne, so they lowered the performance of the car a bit, mm. but the pace is back and he was flawless all weekend, he was better than Vettel all weekend.
0: He was one of the best drivers on the grid for the entire weekend and he was in oh. the best car up until towards the end of the race. Uh, up until lap 47? 47, 47 it? complete disaster really for him, but uh, let, let's just go through the race start. And uh, the perceived nerves that he would be having as, you know, he's out his teammate who was the youngest pole sitter at Bahrain uh, back in the day. And now he here he is sitting on pole. He points left at the start, which was weird to me. I don't know if anyone really spoke about it more after the beginning of the race, but The first corner is a right-hand turn, and he was slightly pointing to the left. Did you see that?
1: I didn't. Was that so that he could cover Vettel on his outside, was it?
0: I'm not sure. He wasn't – well, my point is he wasn't facing towards Vettel. He was facing away from him. Oh, the other way. He was facing towards the racing line, if you want, uh, to the left-hand side of the track. It was weird. It's kind of like he didn't quite line up properly, and I think that might have been a reason why uh, we saw a pretty poor start from him.
1: Okay, yeah, I didn't pick up on that. I might have to...
0: Just have a look again, and look... Be tragic and... Watch the race for the third time. uh, (laughs) 24 hours or thereabouts after we watched it the first time. Uh, Look, I think it's... It's part of it. I, it. Traction would have been an issue as well, getting offline. And I think he mentioned that in the post-race interview. But uh, look, Vettel got a great start. He's he's always good at starts, is Seb. Um, but it has to be said, the Mercedes guys really had a good start as well.
1: They did. Um, Bottas got the jump on Hamilton again, which is interesting. Maybe that's something Hamilton could work on. But between that top four, it was, I think, Vettel led and then it was Bottas, Hamilton, and Leclerc dropped back to fourth, and then, I mean, this is this is the good thing about Bahrain. There's long straights and that extra DRS zone. But that extra DRS zone, I think, was very necessary. But especially one on the straights, on those, on the two, um, on the start finish straight, and then the back straight. Um, yep. yep. Yeah. DRS is very op at the moment. When I say OP, I'm saying overpowered. But it was good yeah. for those, you know, the top two teams, to change positions four or five times in the opening four laps, which was great. Leclerc showed some, you know, some nerves to to pass all the guys again and get back to the lead. So, um, yeah, great race, great race for him. Very disappointing, but it's motorsport; these things happen. So we would suck it up and move on. I think. <laughs>
0: And look, big props to him for having that exact attitude when he got out of the car. You know, I think he is has a lot rather to show other drivers about how to act outside the car. You know, he was very humble on the team radio. Uh, he was incredibly professional when he got out of the car, on the podium, in the driver's briefing room, all of it. It was pure class. Uh, and Tommy T sent that to me as well, the radio message posted on the F1 Instagram thing saying pure class. Indeed it was. Uh, and you know here is a young guy who is going to be incredible for the for the next you know six seven eight years perceivably um potentially world championship material he he isn't out of the running to be world champion this year can't he
1: no he's not I think I said that in the in our first podcast too we, we, i didn't really know where we stood with him um I would have much preferred to see our boy in that seat but yeah, I think you're right. If he performs like that every week and Vettel continues to shit the bed, as Ferrari has as well, over the last two years, then we may we may see Charles Leclerc. He could be one of those drivers like Hamilton where he just drives the wheels off that car every weekend and consistently outperforms
0: teammates. And being in the right place in the right time. You know, I think... Yeah. Ferrari has was struggling last year and I think uh like Hamilton when he jumped to Mercedes away from McLaren, it was the right time and he took a gamble and it worked. Yeah, okay, Ferrari is a top team and lots of people want to be in red. Um but especially with his background and Jul Bianchi obviously being a big hero for him and you know, everyone assuming that he was gonna have, have a drive in Ferrari. I think there's there's a lot of magic to this story. And indeed, he did everyone his dad angel uh, you know m- a million times worth of joy and, and i'm sure they would be very proud of his performance uh china's gonna be interesting you know and i hope if he gets on pole he wins it as well because having a first podium in f1 would have been bloody fantastic to have been the winner as well
1: yeah i think mercedes will be stronger in china though um I'm just going off recent memory. I think the cars this year are going to be very track. Um, I don't know what the right word is. Track appropriate. Yeah. Um, and we're going to see the differences between Mercedes and Ferrari quite large in qualifying times. You know, that seven eight tenths which we saw in Melbourne and in Bahrain between the top two teams, dependent on the track. Um, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna see that. So I think China's been really a Mercedes track for the last five years, I think. So we'll see how we go, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. This might be the first track that we actually get at where we see a, a, a better comparison from what we have seen in the first two rounds between
0: Mercedes and Ferrari. So. Look, I think you're right And uh, what better way to segue into talking about Mercedes Yes Let's talk about Bottas uh, and his performance Just uh, in the first couple of laps uh, And then he kind of let go a bit But, geez, he was quick in the first couple of laps
1: Yeah, he was He seemed to light up the tyres And he may have overcooked them Um, Once again, great start Uh, Yeah, really good start so he's got he's got that over Hamilton at the moment. Um, mm. He drove well, but he just didn't he didn't set lock. Like, he just fell off the pace really quickly. Um, I think he said after the race he really struggled with the balance and setup issue of the car most of the weekend, and he just had no confidence in the car under brakes and trying to throw the throw the front nose into some of those corners. It was quite loose.
0: You said this before we started recording as well, Campy, that uh, this is typical of Bottas. He has an incredible race, and then the next race, you, you really can't see the same tenacity that he had in the race before.
1: Yeah, I did say that, yes, and I think you're right. That's been the wrap on Bottas most of, his, most of his career, really. He has this amazing first half of the season, then he falls off, or he has an amazing race here and there, and then he doesn't have that consistency, but...
0: And there was one person who was very happy about that lack of consistency. He was clapping a little louder in the uh, garage this time, I think, than he was uh, this time two weeks ago. Mr. Ocon. Mr. Yep.
1: Ocon. Well, he should be in Formula 1. Yep. And we've said that. We don't need to rediscuss yeah. that. But And I can understand where he's coming from. But I think Bottas qualified really well as, like as well. I know he got pit by Hamilton, but the differences between last year and this year, uh, he's stepped up his game and how? Hal- and Hamilton is arguably one of the quickest one lap drivers I think we've probably ever seen um, so I think he's qualifying well I don't want to I don't want to rag on him too much yet because
0: I could fully expect him to come out and win the Chinese
1: Grand Prix
0: hey um Let's talk a little bit uh, then. So Mercedes, yep, okay. I think uh, they weren't anything special. Uh, congratulations to Lewis Hamilton, of course, for winning and, and Bottas coming second.
1: Can we just say Hamilton's pace, race pace compared to Bottas's, was damn good, and he put himself in a position where, that if anything happened, he could he could win that race. Held off, held off Vettel. Do we now talk about Vettel's spin, or do we just put it down to a? Another mistake that he continues to make, seemingly. Look, I think
0: I, th- there's there's probably a number of factors that, that went into play with his spin. I think, uh, A, he's very good at spinning, and if you're good at something, you should keep going at it. So well done, Seb. He
1: did apologise on the team radio straight away. He said, sorry, guys, that was my fault. I got... I got throttle happy because something surprised me in the car when Hamilton was out there. So, it, I mean, the commentators maybe just being nice to him by saying there's some aero deficiencies, but it may be that he just got too happy on the right foot.
0: All the ambition and no adhesion, as we would say. Uh, and you're, yeah, look, who knows? But Seb is. A class driver, and you know he continues to make some mistakes here, probably because he knows he has to prove himself. He was probably under more pressure because he wasn't on pole, uh, and Charles was. There's probably a number of things going on, but uh, it was disappointing for them. Uh, as I said, it was also really interesting watching just how easily that front wing came off, just due to the the vibration of in the car because of the left rear seemingly destroying itself. Uh, yeah, that was crazy, wasn't it? Incredible. I've never,
1: just from the vibration, I've never seen anything like that. I, I don't see how he would have flat spotted the tires that much, or did he light them up when he was spinning around?
0: I think he kind of did both. To be honest, he would have. It would have been a recovery break, and then spinning them to get going again. And I remember he did it last year in one of his spins and he spun so many times I can't bloody remember which one it was now. And the smoke that he created out of doing so, you think, you know, you're about to fight to try and get back through the mid-pack here to get up to the front and you just peeling off that much rubber is not going to help you in, in the slightest. But, of course, you know, it's easy to say that from the outside of the car sitting on the couch watching on television, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but look, uh, he did well. <laughs> uh, correct. He, he did well. I like Seb, um, be interesting to see how his season goes this year and how that shapes him, uh, for the next year or so, uh, Red Bull Honda. Uh, I want to just touch very briefly before we get to your favorite driver on the grid. I want to touch briefly on, um, signs and Verstappen, their little battle. I loved it. It was lap four. Uh, we're looking at, uh, the fifth here and Carlos was was driving very well. The McLaren is looking a lot better than last year uh, and definitely a lot better than the year before that. So they've got power. They've got the aero package sorted out. They've got the great driver lineup. As I said, I'm on definitely on team Lando and a big congratulations to him for finishing sixth as a rookie. I think that's an incredible result for him in his second race in Formula One. So big ups to you, Lando, but um, rebel Honda uh, and Max, look he set the fastest lap uh a couple of times but wasn't really anything to to look at this this race for me red bull and uh as you said campy he, they were struggling with tire temps very early on yeah, especially that
1: soft the first in on the soft tire which basically compromises his whole race really doesn't it and i think that's we need to put it in perspective that's why signs was able to you know, catch up and almost pass him. Um, but passing Verstappen's a hard thing to do. That kid's always going to get his elbows out and become and, and become quite reckless. I don't, I think signs should have closed the door a lot earlier um, and made Verstappen back out of it. But, you know, I think it's just a racing incident really. that, be that, but Verstappen I mean he's probably lucky not to get a podium in the end. Pro- unlucky, sorry. Should I say?
0: Well another lap and he... he oh absolutely.
1: Done... But they didn't deserve it, and he said that after the race. Um, but again that gap between the top two Red Bull Honda and then the midfield that they're, they're sort of a they're a bit in no man's land when or when Verstappen's driving anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, who's the other driver that drives for Red Bull? Was it Ki- Miss, Mr. Pierre? Oh, is it? Is it? <laughs> oh, sorry. At one point there, I, I swore that Toro Rosso was running three cars again in the Grand Prix. No,
1: get rid of him, Red Bull. Re-promote
0: <laughs> You've heard it here first, guys. Uh, Christian, if you want, uh, no. if you want to camp his number, just don't hesitate to call. Uh, uh, that's,
1: that's a tongue-in-cheek comment, because Kiwiat <laughs> does not deserve that seat either. No,
0: he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Either, it is, it is,
1: either does Albon.
0: Well, at this point,
1: it's... Um, get rid of him, fall on someone else.
0: It's Let's just bring Weber back, mate, Hey. Eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, I can't take myself seriously on that comment either. Love you, Mark. Um, you, you, your Porsche career is way is way more exciting on my Instagram feed. Anyway, uh, so look that that little battle though to see McLaren up towards the front and and fighting with Red Bull Honda as well. I think really exciting. Again, sort of feeds into what I said a bit earlier about that mid pack really just looking really really good. Uh, again, congratulations to Lando. I'm saying it again because I'm on Team Lando and I'm not afraid or ashamed to say it. Uh Alpha Romeo. Mr. Hakenen.
1: Uh, I didn't this is probably the team that I have probably got least recollection of memory on for the whole race. That sort of weren't there all weekend, were they? I mean m qualified ninth, he got up to sixth pretty quickly until the Renault's overtook him, but I didn't see much of them. I don't really know about too much about their right like Rockenham's race.
0: Well, they weren't um, covered very much in the telecasts, and I think that that yeah. shows that they weren't really doing anything interesting outside of uh, lap of 12. Giovinazzi. Yeah, Giovinazzi going into Kvyat and spinning Kvyat around. I wonder what happens when you spin a torpedo around. Does that activate the warhead? Yes. Probably, probably does in the driver's room afterwards, but anyway. <laughs> well,
1: let's hope that the torpedo can get a good qualifying next, next race and take out the top four. Then we can see what's going to happen. That would be nice.
0: Uh, are you expecting a uh, Daniel Ricciardo win in China or is that just me? Oh, well, never say we'll never. Never say never. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alex Albon did a great job as well. Um, in the Bahrain Grand Prix, uh, again, nothing really exciting to report there, but a solid performance from him again for his second race in formula one. Uh, You know what was very interesting? Again, I I had this, uh, I thought it was Groundhog Day when I was watching a pink Formula One car unlap itself against Max Verstappen. The team name is different. The drivers are different. But I'm watching Stroll unlap himself against Verstappen and I'm thinking, oh, please, pardon me. Please have an incident again, because I just really want to see what the hell happens here. <laughs> and part of me says I'm glad that it didn't. Yeah, and Max gave him so much room. Did you notice? that? we just mentioned before that you know he gets his elbows out and it's hard to pass him. But geez, when when Stroll came back up the inside, I think he just made the decision. You know what? I'm probably not going to ruin my chances here, and maybe just give this guy who I've just lapped a little bit of room to feel better about his life.
1: Yeah, well, Stroll's race was really compromised on the. First lap, wasn't it? So- it was.
0: And that was, you know, again, so so much going on in the mid-pack and so many great starts from different people. He drove well in, in Melbourne, and I think he drove well over the weekend as well in Bahrain. Uh, but he didn't
1: qualify too well. He was a bit off the pace in qualifying.
0: And Sergio... Again, not really anything too exciting to report on that front either, mate.
1: No, they just don't seem to be quite there, do they? Um, a one lap pace is a bit off compared to the rest of the. I think they've got semi good race pace, um, but maybe Bahrain's just not their track. Maybe.
0: Well, and who who did? The incident occurred with the Haas of Romain Grosjean uh, with Stroll right at the very beginning of the race, which has ruined my F1 fantasy team, Grosjean. Can you hurry up and stop crashing, please?
1: Can I just ask why on earth would you put Grosjean in your fantasy when you could have K-Mag who's performed pretty... For the same price and performed a lot better. That's a
0: it was a moment of weakness, okay? I got some, you know, I, I, a romantic view of the fact that Grosjean had fixed his problems from last year and that, you know, our favourite person from the uh, F, F1 Netflix series, Gunther, had talked some sense into him by gently bullying him into doing the right thing. Um, and I was sorely mistaken. Needless to say, he has been removed from my fantasy league for China and K Mag put straight in that place. Uh, but look again, nothing really special to report out of the the Haas, apart from the the disappointment that uh, again they've they've got one car out in the first couple of laps.
1: Yeah, well, maybe maybe Melbourne's just a good track for them, and. Because they started off really well last year and then sort of fell away, consistently fell away on a gradual decline for the rest of the year last year. Um, so maybe we're going to see a bit more of the same. But again, one of those teams that I don't put all my time No, look, in and time
0: Tommy in. T, Tommy T, mate, you're a big fan of Haas, uh, but no points scored in Bahrain uh, with KMAG finishing 13th. Uh, behind Danny and and a few others at that mid pack, and it is it is tight.
1: But again, Magnuson and Grosjean they qualified really well at
0: Bahrain. They just don't have it on the day. And look, I think there's a whole bunch to be said about the team, the way that it works, the way the drivers work on on race day. They're not a big team. They don't have a lot of people. They don't have a big budget. They've got great support from with Jean. But yeah. realistically. They just don't, there's something missing there on race day. Uh, and I don't know what it is. I like Haas. I think they've got a long way to go, but they're showing some real promise. That is for sure. Someone who's not showing real promise, though, unfortunately, still uh, for almost the third year running is Williams. Um, George Russell performed well considering he's got a very slow car. And, you know, I think Robert had a good race as well.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, they qualified. Almost identical times. There was not much in it. Again, didn't get any TV time. Not really sure where they're at. I would say they're probably still testing at the moment, aren't they?
0: Well, I saw some footage this morning of uh, testing going on again and, you know, the the aero grids appearing on the cars, which, you know, realistically that that should have been pretty completed in Barcelona. Uh, I, I hope... Out of the next couple of days with their testing, that they can really achieve some learnings and uh, and actually get something sorted out. I agree with your comments from the last podcast. I think there's something inherently wrong within the team. I don't think it's just money. They think there's something else from from either a leadership point of view or a cultural point of view within that team that is not being met. Uh, and that is driving some serious issues, which obviously you know eventuates on the track, which everyone can see yeah and i 'll just
1: clarify from something I said last on the last podcast in the f one Netflix series, I did see Cleire Williams talk about I need to protect a legacy and a heritage that that my father created in this organization, and I sort of understand that because it 's a family business at at one level, but If we look at the history of Formula 1, Williams has always been the most political and poorly organised organisation from the outside looking in when it comes to that sort of stuff. And maybe there is an issue at the top with Claire trying to balance everything and she might not be the right person to run the team. And I don't know anything about this. I'm just making an assumption and saying maybe there is a problem because Paddy Lowe was he's got great reputation throughout the Formula One paddock and it stags me that they would let someone like him go. Um, so there could be an issue at that up that senior level where they're trying to manage some egos and and the politics are unfortunately still there. But we just don't really know. We can only speculate and you know, entertain you guys with some of our crazy theories.
0: <laughs> well, let's hope that, uh, you know, as as a result of some of this testing, they get back um, on track with something. And as you said earlier on in this podcast, Campy, that uh, the towards the end of the season, we can see them fighting in the mid-pack. Someone who wasn't fighting in the mid-pack, at least very well, uh, and someone who really should lose their job is whoever the hell was running Daniel Ricciardo's strategy for the Bahrain Grand Prix. There are literally millions of other people in the world more qualified than that person to run it. How the hell do you have a one-stop strategy when every single other team and other car on the grid is having a two-stop, including your other car? How that happened, I, I just don't get it. Can you, whoever the hell you are, sort your life out, be better at your job, and be better at allowing Daniel to bloody shine, and he would have done if given the opportunity to have fresh boots at the same time that Nico did. Well... There, a bloody set.
1: (laughs) Well, I... At the time, I was like, I'm... When Hulkenberg pitted before Ricardo. our chat was just like, what the farm gate is going on in this joint? What (laughs) What is happening here?
0: Um... Well, we thought that Hulkenberg was giving preference or priority, right?
1: We did, we did, and we were. I was about to rage against the French. Put it that way.
0: <laughs> You're still very close. <laughs> I'm still very bloody close.
1: So, yeah, I, I think I think I took a gamble, but it didn't even make sense to make the gamble if there was a. What if a yellow flag come out, which has happened to Barron very consistently over the last. Five years. So it didn't even make sense to run a one stop on that. And very early into Hulkenberg's second stint, we could tell that this one stop wasn't going to work. And we weren't very happy about what had happened. So get the strategy right.
0: And just sort it out and get your reliability right, honestly, Renault, this is ridiculous. lap 55 retirement same corner, both bloody cars out well I couldn't believe it. I thought at one point I was like, hang on a second, have they had contact again?" And yes, Daniel and Nico made contact, and I think it was you know Daniel just I think locked up his his right front and just carried that momentum and understeered into Nico a bit. Yeah. I did leave him plenty of room. You know, yeah. I think that's Daniel's bad. But um, there's, you know, there's no point really to talk about the strategy if the car's not going to last the full bloody well, of length of the race.
1: Well, they really should have had, you know, positions um, six and seven on lockdown. So, but again, poor strategy from Ricardo from Ricardo's side of the garage inherently meant that he was only going to get one point anyway I think by the time he'd crashed out I think by the time the motor blew up he'd, um, he was in 10th I think he'd been passed by Gasly which was a real shame um, but from Daniel's own admission too he's gone from a top car down to a car that's not as good um, they've, Alan Jones spoke pre-race in Melbourne about Daniel struggling with the braking and the new braking system to deal with um, and the levels of downforce that he's experiencing, he's still, he, in his own admission, he's, he's still overdriving the car at the moment. Um, and he hasn't got, he's not fully on top of what, what how to drive this car. Um, as I said, coming down from a top team down to a lower team, it's, it's quite hard. Whereas going from, a crappy car into a good one, like Gasly. You'd think most of the time that the transition should be seamless and it should be easier because you get in these cars and there's more grip, more downforce, and you could do things that you couldn't do in your previous car. So why aren't you quicker? But that's, that's
0: they seem to be coming up with a lot of excuses, uh, and Christian seems to be protecting, running out of patience with with that. Uh, well, yeah, protecting in a point, but. Christian is, a, is the kind of person, it seems, that won't suffer fools for long. And I would say, arguably, that uh, if this is the way that it's going to go for Gasly, he won't have long at all in that seat. I think
1: you're right. But, yeah, getting back to Renault, it's a bit of a shame. They've obviously got – they're not quite there on one lap pace, but they've definitely got very strong race pace compared to the rest of the field. It was only 10 or so laps that both Hulk and Ricardo had made it past everyone and they were into sixth and seventh respectively. Um,
0: I think it shows a lot about their driving style as well. I think they're two incredible drivers on the grid. Uh, I think, you know, if the car had more power, more downforce, uh, or consistent downforce (laughs) rather, (laughs) like potentially the Red Bull had with Daniel, then, you know, we can see some more potential there, but interesting with the braking system and potentially we're talking about, you know, Ricardo last of the late breakers, his, his faith in that red bull braking system, completely different to that of the Renault. And, you know, we're not seeing him make that same move that he was used to making last year and indeed the year before, uh, in the Renault, who knows when he becomes more comfortable with the car, we might see some, some better results. Uh, he's not always the best qualifier, but damn, he is good on race day and, He can make that thing sing. So we'll see what happens as as they develop and bring upgrades to the car as we go through the year. But final thoughts on Bahrain for twenty nineteen, Campy. My my takeaway is that Charles Leclerc definitely deserves the driver at uh, Ferrari. Yeah, I think that I think Renault need to improve their strategy uh, and desperately need to improve their reliability. I'm excited for McLaren. I think they've got. Um, a long way to go as well, but certainly what they're showing now in terms of improvement from last year is bloody fantastic. Mercedes doing a great job. Ferrari showing key pace um, and incredible improvement on Melbourne. All they need to do is work on reliability as well. As I said, Alpha not really doing anything of significance, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Kimi pulls out for the rest of the year. Haas again with more reliability and a a track better suited to, to their engine. We'll see some interesting things. Toro Rosso, again, nothing really to report from Bahrain, but I think both drivers are performing well. Uh, Racing Point, again, performing well. It's mid-pack. Williams, disappointing as always, but hopefully see them come back. And really, for me, driver of the race, without a doubt, is Charles Leclerc. Camper, your thoughts? I think you've summed it up, Jim.
1: (laughs) What else can I say? Other than get rid of Gasly or drop him back to the B team, That would be my only thought. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's my Whipping Boy at the moment.
0: Well, it's all to come. But, of course, we've got the rest of the 2019 season ahead of us as we go to our 1,000th race for Formula 1 in China in two weeks' time. Can Valtteri Bottas hold on to the championship lead as he goes into his third race weekend uh, as the championship leader? Can Red Bull sort out their issues with Gasly? And will we see Daniel Ricciardo take poll and eventually become world champion in 2019? It's 120,000% likely and uh, you're in the right place if you agree. As always, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Chuck us a rating. Share us with your friends. Uh, We love talking about this sport and we'd love your feedback at any point. Campy, have a wonderful couple of days left in the USA and we look forward to seeing you in China.
1: Absolutely. See you then. Podcast Network.